Hello and welcome to Nitcast. I'm your host, Marie Urshard. On this edition, I'm joined by Kerry Allman, editor and founder of Magnets.com. We're here at her stand at the Knitting and Stitching Show in London, so you might hear um, some background noise. Kerry, let's start off by talking about Magnets. What inspired you to start the online magazine in the first place? Um, I'd had a few patterns published in Knitty.com, which was the, the first of the online knitting magazines, um, and really enjoyed the process of submitting designs there and thought it was a really good idea to have the magazine to give people a chance to you know, get their designs published and out there. Um, and I just thought the world was big enough for more than one, so decided that I would try and start my own sort of European-based magazine. And when you started it, did it turn out to be more or less work than you thought it might be? It turned out to be a lot more work than I thought it might be. Um, in the first, the first couple of years, we published twice a year, so every six months, which was a bit easier for me. Um, we're now publishing monthly, so it's a lot more work for me each month to get the patterns in, um, edited and put the pages together. When you're looking at designs submitted to you, are you looking for any particular kind of house style? Um, I just want patterns that, are, that people would make and that people would wear. I like the novelty stuff and some of the more interesting designs, but I, I want people to look at it and think, that looks really nice, I'll knit that, rather than, yeah, that's quite funny, but I would never make it. So just things that people, ordinary people would wear and use around the house. You've already said that magnets used to be published twice a year and you've recently gone monthly. Was that something you always wanted to do or did you suddenly think, we've got enough designs, I can do this? I think it was more that to begin with um, I wasn't getting many designs through and I was having to um, email people that I knew or that I had worked with or that I'd seen their designs and ask them to submit designs to us. Um, but after the first couple of years we, I was getting more and more designs in and I suddenly thought I've, I've got more than I can deal with on a twice yearly publication. Um, so I considered whether I should go quarterly or once every other month and then just thought you know, I may as well go the whole way and go monthly. Now you do of course have various companies advertising with you, did they just start to approach you? Um, I've always asked yarn companies to donate yarn for the designers um, and in the email sort of conversations and the phone conversations I had with various yarn companies they were all very very happy to donate yarn to us and a couple of them mentioned that they would also like to advertise with us um, and at the time I said oh no we're not offering any advertising but you can continue to give us yarn and we really appreciate that. Um, and then a couple of the designers asked if I was ever going to be having, if I could run adverts for their own like designing businesses. And I just thought that you know, if there was enough people asking me about it, I would try it and see how it worked. You've recently bought hipknits.co.uk. Can you tell us more about that business and, and what, uh, what made you want to uh, take it on? Hipnits is a business selling um, hand-dyed and exclusive funky yarns that you can't get anywhere else. So we have a lot of hand-dyed silk, cashmere, um, all the luxurious, gorgeous yarns that are difficult to buy on high street shops. Um, it was a business that I'd bought from in the past. I'd worked with um, Trudy on donating yarn to Magnets and she'd booked in some advertising for Magnets. I'd bought some of their gorgeous stuff from them in the past. And when I heard that Trudy was looking to sell it, I just thought, yeah, that would be a, a good way of getting that kind of business without having to do all the hard work of setting it up initially. So I sort of approached her to find out if she was serious about selling it and went from there. Do you hand dye any of the yarn yourself? Yes, I hand dye all of the, all of the yarns myself. I spend every Saturday down in one of Dad's stables dyeing all the silk and the cashmere, the wool and the merino yarns. 
readers of your blog will have been seeing your adventures with uh, skeining yarn recently for the show. Yeah, it's taken me weeks. I, had, I, I very much underestimated how long it would take me to rewind the nearly 100 kilos of yarn that I dyed for the show. So it's been me and my husband and my little girl sitting up in the evenings in the lounge with just silk all over the floor, rewinding it, getting it um, all skeined up and ready. I'm not sure if an adventure is the right word, but it's been interesting. Of all the, the yarns that you sell, because I know you've got uh, the recycled sari yarns as well, is there any particular one that uh, on Hipnets that tends to sell more than any other? The cashmere sock yarn sells out within minutes of going on the site. It's actually quite frightening, the, the speed at which people buy it. I tend to update the site in the morning, so I'll put all the photos and all the descriptions of the yarn on the site, click the save button um, and then go upstairs, make a cup of tea, calm myself down, come back down, open up my email and it will all have sold out within about half an hour. It's actually quite frightening the speed at which it sells out. And the emails that I then get from people complaining that I put it on at 7 o'clock in the morning when they were asleep or at 3 o'clock in the afternoon when they were at work or they're in the US so they didn't get it. So I try and update the site at totally different times of the day and night just so that everybody is happy at some point. But it is the, the demand for the cashmere sock yarn is frightening. Frightening and, and maybe surprising as well because that's such, you know, cashmere to go in your foot and then maybe go into a sock. I mean, are, are you surprised by the fact that people want to do that? I, I was really surprised at the number of people that continued to take it up. I thought the first time we offered it on the site it was a novelty and it was something different and we may get a number of people going, yoo cashmere sock yarn. Um, but I'm surprised that the demand has kept up for it. I haven't seen too many pairs of completed socks. I've seen probably a dozen pairs of completed socks, but I think people are using it for scarves and shawls and other things as well. This is the first time that you've had a stand at the show. Can you describe what's on it? Um, we've got all the hip knits yarns, all the silks and the cashmeres, um, the chunky wool, lots of patterns and designs and kits. We've got some other cashmere that's not hand-painted, but it's the more solid colours, just to give people a bit more choice. How have the sales been going? Because it's your first time here at the show. It's been really, really good. We were very surprised on Thursday, the first day, um, at how many people were coming over to the stand. We had just crowds of people around the sari silk. Dad and I were sort of standing right outside the stand to let everybody go in there. It's been brilliant. It's been really, really good. We've had to referee a couple of fights where people have picked up silk and then put it down while they went to get something else and somebody else has picked it up. But, yeah, on the whole, it's been really, really good. Yeah, you've got to watch those knitters. They're very competitive over their sales. Because I have no knowledge, personal knowledge of that, of course, at all. Outside of magnets and hypnets, you've got two children who are probably a full-time job in themselves. And you also work full-time. I mean, how on earth do you fit all of this in? You, you must be exhausted. I prioritise. I, I don't do housework very often. <laughs> That's my number one way. tip. <laughs> and I think if you love something enough, you'll find time to do it. I'm up very early in the morning anyway, um, and I reply to all my emails and parcel up all the day's hypnits orders to send out before I drop the children off at school and go into work. Um, and then in the evenings, in the middle of sort of like, you know, playing with the kids and cooking dinner and stuff, I've always got knitting needles in my hand. And after they go to bed, I have a good two or three hours of sitting on the sofa and knitting or going through and updating magnets, replying to emails. So I think it's a case of if you enjoy it enough, you'll find time for it. Now, your daughter, Brooke, is very interested in your knitting. And she's even been known to see something that's on the needles that's meant for you and assume that it's for her. Yes, she regularly influences what I knit for her and also what I knit for me. She'll, she'll tell me halfway through a design if she doesn't like it. You're not really going to make that for you, are you, mummy? And um, she picks out patterns from books that she wants me to make for her. Even if they're adult designs, I end up having to rework them so they fit her. And she'll definitely tell me what she doesn't like. I'm halfway through a sweater for her at the moment in Rowan um, denim. 
yarn, which is gorgeous. It's knitting up really, really nicely, except I picked the dark blue colour, and she looked at it the other day when I was halfway through it and said, who's that for? And when I told her it was for her, she went, well, you can finish knitting it, but I won't wear it because it's blue. So now I have this half-finished sweater that, you know, I'm... I want to finish it because I'm really enjoying making it, but at the same time, you know, I'm going to get to the end of it, give it to her, and she'll look at it and won't wear it. So I'm thinking maybe of putting some flowers on the front or something. Maybe when it's uh, faded, because it does fade, maybe she'll like it then. Who knows? <laughs> so glad I don't have children. Easier with cats. Now, as we say, you're doing all of this, plus your full-time work. I mean, would you, would you like to be doing this type of stuff, knitting, basically, as your business, full-time? Is that something which you maybe see you know, a couple of years in the future maybe? Um, yeah, definitely. Next year at some point I'm hoping that I can either completely quit the day job or just bring it down to two or three days a week and concentrate more on hip knits and magnets. I would love to be able to just, you know, make my living from doing knitting related things rather than having to go into the city and do the IT work at the same time. And is there anything that you've got planned for future issues of magnets or maybe the future of uh, hip knits, the immediate future that you can maybe share with our listeners? Um, we've got some themed issues of magnets coming up. We've got a children's theme at the end of December, which I have some amazing designs in for already. Hip Knits next year, we're going to be expanding into new ranges of yarns and maybe some other, not just knitting yarns, so other kind of knitting related stuff. And there is a magnets book proposal that's out there with some publishers at the moment that I haven't had any feedback on, but I'm, I've got my fingers crossed on that one. Kerry Orman, and Kerry's book is still out with publishers. I hope that she gets some good news about it soon. You'll find links to Magnets and Kerry's blog in the show notes at knitcast.com. I'm very pleased to say that our first anniversary is very close. Yes, Knitcast will be one year old on the 15th of February. Now, I wanted to do something special to mark this first year. And I thought about it and decided that what I'd really like to do is to hire an actual radio studio and record the anniversary edition professionally. So I've done it. I've booked the studio and this coming Saturday, 14th of January, I will be chairing a discussion about knitting and podcasting. My special guests will include Brenda from Cast On, Daniela from Secret Knitting and Caroline from The Fibercast. In the past, I've strayed away from the more techie questions because, well, there are plenty of podcasts about podcasting. But it seems that you really want to know how Knitcast is made. So if you've ever wondered how I do it, why I do it, why other knitting podcasters do it and, and what tools they use for it, then drop me a line at feedback at knitcast.com. That's feedback at knitcast.com. And I've talked in the past about wanting to get your voices on the air and invited you to perhaps record yourselves asking a question and uh, to send it to me. Well, now there's a really easy way to get your voice on to Nickcast. You can call my voicemail. Just leave a message on 206-339-7875. That's 206-339-PURL. That's P-U-R-L. Now, this is a United States number. So if you're calling from outside the US, you need to dial 001. That's a country code for the United States. And then 206-339-7875. But basically, you leave a message and it's sent to me as an MP3, which I can then play on the show. And if you're a knitting podcaster and would like to be involved in the anniversary show in some way, drop me an email or a voicemail. 
I can't promise that I can fit everyone in because we've got some time constraints on how long we're in the studio. But please get in touch if you're interested in joining the discussion. Well, I'm Maria Shard and that was Nick Cast. Thanks for listening.